listening to Sunday Sermons from Warren Community Church. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit warrencommunitychurch.org. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And this morning, uh, as John was saying, talking about our talents and the fact that we're here to glorify God, uh, I'm talking on the topic about our talents and our gifts and our abilities um, I want to weave that in uh, to the message, but I really want to focus on the idea of just not don't waste your life as the title. And so I, I, I got it out of Ephesians 2.10. I just want to say this. This is, in, in preaching, there's what's called the literary context. And that's where we truly exegete the passage, pull out everything from the passage, and build our outline strictly from the passage. Then there's what's called a secondary uh, application and that's taking the verse and taking the implication and the application of the verse and really putting it into practice in our lives and this morning that's what I want to do I want to talk about what is the implication the fact that God uh, through his grace saved us and paid such a price for us so what are we going to do in return uh, for that and so Ephesians 2.10, and I'm going to back up in Ephesians kind of to the first part of it, but Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now that is a mouthful, because uh, we're talking about not only the fact that we are his, but the, the, the reality that he was working and doing this beforehand for us. He was thinking and creating and putting and, and kind of intertwining who we are, our personalities, our abilities, all those things. And so we are his workmanship. So when we think about don't waste our lives. I heard this one time when I was in seminary. I don't remember the guy who said it, so I can't give him credit. Uh, but I just want to say it's not, it's not mine. I heard it, but it had a profound, uh, just it hit me really hard, and it's this. In life, there will be opportunities of a lifetime, but they must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. This is the kind of life that we say, God, we're willing to do whatever, whenever and wherever. And any time God calls us to that, it may come with a certain risk. But I'm convinced, and I have to speak for myself, that we have taken this lifestyle of faith and made it a comfortable, easy lifestyle. But it is time that we believers settle for something, I mean, stop settling for good and really reach out to do something great for God. It's amazing to me how we read this right here and we praise the people in it. I mean, we do. We, we write books about them. We write Bible studies about them. And we act like there was something so different or special about them than there is us. And the reality is they were just people who were willing to step out in faith for God. I mean, Esther, we all know about her. She walked into the king's chamber, even though it was her husband. He could have easily had her killed because she stepped out of line. And her words were, if I perish, I perish. But we praise Esther because what Esther did saved the Jewish nation. And we praise her. And we praise people like, I mean... Truly, David was just carrying some cheese to his brothers. He didn't set out to kill Goliath, 
But he saw a bunch of people scared and afraid and trembling in their armor and hiding in their tents. And he saw this giant uh, blaspheming God and saying that God was nothing. And he just simply said, you know what, today I'm going to cut your head off because there is a God in Israel and I'm going to show you. And he ran, the Bible says he ran toward him. What if he hadn't done that? We wouldn't even have children's Sunday school because we didn't have no story to tell. He was willing to take a risk. And then one of my favorite Bible characters, and I just want to camp out here for a minute with you. One of my favorite Bible characters. We don't hear much about him. I never heard about this guy in Sunday school. But in 2 Samuel 23, verse 20, there's a guy named Benai. And this, this dude was radical. Because here's what it says about him. Benai was a son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man from Kabzeel, who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He also had, listen, listen to this, he had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. I can tell you it's kind of semi-snowy or whatever. I am not fixing to chase a lion. Down 64 Highway because he wants to eat one of you. It's not going to do it. That's what he was doing. He was protecting his, his community. And he chased this line. And he didn't focus on the fact that the line was, you know, 500-pound uh, trained killer savage. He didn't do that. He didn't make excuses. He didn't try to avoid the situations where the odds were against him. He just knew that his God was bigger, and if he was willing to take the risk, and he could overcome this line, and who would get the glory, God? You know what happened to Benaiah? He was put into David's mighty men. Think about this. He's flipping through, looking for some people to take over this, this position, and he comes across a guy who's graduated from the, the Academy of Defense there in Jerusalem. He's looking for somebody who's, who's gone through all the schooling uh, to be this great protector. And then he flips up this resume, and this guy says, it chased a lion in a pit on a snowy day. That's who's protecting me. And he did it, and he took risk. Why? Because he was living for God moments. Why did David go after Goliath? Because he was living to prove that there was still a God in Israel. Why did Esther walk in and say, if I perish, I perish? Because she wanted people to know that there was a God who could protect her people. So in this place, what will we do? Will we retreat <laughs> or will we risk it all? Will we retreat and run away? Because the same God who protected them, the same God who blessed them, the same God whose name was lifted high, is the same God that we were singing about this morning. And sometimes He just wants people to step out in faith and take some risk. I think Peter gets a bum rap. We criticize Peter, man. I mean, we, we talk about Peter... We'll, we'll talk about the good things, but like, first thing you know about Peter is it's like, well, that's the guy that denied Jesus three times. Well, I say he walked close enough to Jesus to be recognized. We're like, he's the one that cut off the guy's ear. Yeah, but he's the only one that stepped up to defend Jesus. 
He's like, yeah, but you know, he, he, he sank that time he walked on water. He's the only one that got wet. When will the church stop being the other 11 in the boat? And praise what everybody else is doing for Christ while you are sitting there dry. When will we step out? I just say it this way. I would rather be wet than have a numb gluteus maximus. I would rather be willing to take risk. And here's the cool thing about Peter. As far as history claims, he's the only other person outside of Jesus that's ever walked on water. Can you imagine when he got back in the boat? I mean, I think the church is full of people like Thomas who probably talked to Peter and was like, man, how was it? Peter's like, well, you should have tried it. You know? Maybe they're sitting there and they're going, man, you're soaking wet. Yeah, but I will tell you, man, those first few steps were pretty amazing. Right? And outside of that, my Savior reached down and he saved me. We got to realize that when we take risk, he's near. And whenever we step out on faith for his namesake and for his glory and for his gospel, yeah, you may get wet and people may even talk about you, but just think, he is near. And when you read Matthew chapter 14 and you start reading that story, who do we talk about? We talk about Peter, we don't talk about the other 11. Are we willing to take risks? God has created us for good works in Christ Jesus that we should walk in them. And I think one of the things we struggle with, and this is the third thing, is we got to dare to be different. The, the, the church as a whole wants to look like the world. So it does not become persecuted. The American church wants to be comfortable. We want to fit in. And we don't want to go against the grain. We just want to live normal lives. I, I talk to people sometimes like, man, I just want to live a normal life. My favorite saying. Is normal as just a setting on a washing machine. That's all it is. Because your life is not normal to my life. But if all of us walk around and just want to live a normal life, when are we going to look different in the world? To make a difference in the world, here, here's what I want you to hear. To make a difference in the world, you just have to know a few great, unchanging, simple, glorious things and be set on fire by them. Jesus saves. Man, get that in your heart, get passionate about it, talk about it, tell people about it, and it'll make a difference. Again, we are His masterpiece, we are His creation, we are set apart. And whether you believe it or not, if you say you're a follower of Christ, you look different. I mean, you do, because that's the way we're supposed to look. The people who are willing to be different are the people that we talk about, the people that we hear about. 
And I say this going back to Peter. You'll never regret sinking, but you will regret sitting. You ever talk to those people when God's really moving in the church, God's doing something great, and they're like, man, I wish, I, I wish I'd have went and been a part of that. You're regretting sitting. What type of Christian are you? I believe there's two types. I believe there's critics, and I believe there's God followers. Because if you're following Jesus, you don't have time to criticize. You don't have time to say, well, this is wrong, and this is this, and this is that. But if you're not following Jesus, it's amazing how we tend to have that critical spirit and nothing is done right. Right? Who are you? Are, are, are you following closely to God? Are you willing to take the risk that comes? Are you, you willing to be different? Or you just want to sit back and stay dry and don't, don't get wet but criticize everything that the people who are getting wet are trying to do? And I don't believe this is a church of a bunch of critics. Now, to say there's no critics in here, that would be false because we all have critics in our midst. Jesus had critics in his midst. Mark chapter 2, just look at it. One of the things that showed that it was a thriving ministry was that there was critics. I heard a guy one time say, sometimes the people that say the loudest amen sit on the front row. No offense. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and one of the people I talk about so often is Jim Elliott. He was criticized for his willingness to give up many opportunities in the United States. If you read his, his story, if you read his journal, uh, man, the guy could preach. You can go on YouTube and hear a message from him. Uh, really wise beyond his years. God had done an amazing thing in his life. And when he got ready to go to Ecuador, uh, so many people was like, why are you wasting your life going to savage people when you could be here in the United States and be a prominent pastor? And this is some of the things he said in response to that. In his journal, he says this, God, I pray thee, light these idle sticks of my life, and, and may I burn for thee. Consume my life, God, for it is thine. I seek not a long life, but a full one like you, Lord Jesus. He goes on and says, the world cannot hate us because we are too much like its own. Oh, that God would make us dangerous. Let me ask you a question. Is the devil afraid of you? I don't mean that in a, a weird way, but it's, this, are you a threat to hell in how you live your life for Christ? Am I a threat to the enemy by the way I follow Jesus and live my life for him? Oh, that we would become dangerous to the enemy. He says this, How wonderful to know that Christianity is more than a padded pew or a dim cathedral, but that it is a real, living, daily experience which goes on from grace to grace. Are we willing to be different? Are we willing to, to when people talk about, man, Warren Community Church, they're doing things that, that, that is just 
unfathomable in the church world. They're, they're just serving people. They're living their lives for Christ. They're taking risks. They're doing all these things. And, and, and God's just blessing. God's just sending people. God's just seeing people saved all over the world because a small group of believers in West Tennessee decided to truly follow Jesus and not waste their lives. And then last thing. When I look at verse 10 and think about I'm his workmanship, I look at where I was, I look at who I used to be, I looked that I was dead in my trespasses and in my sins and how I was doing all these things against God, but God reached down and saved me and he made me his workmanship created in Christ Jesus so that I could do good works. I just want to give my all. Shouldn't every one of us in here who have been bought by the blood of Jesus be willing to to give our all? What if we walked in here? What if we attacked tomorrow morning saying no more what ifs? What if I would have witnessed to that person? What if I would have gone and gotten involved in missions? What if I truly would have reached out to that young person? What if? Let's don't live in that kind of world. Let's live in a world that we're living to serve. Instead of going, what if, what if we just said, God, where can I serve? What can I do? God, how can I better uh, serve the kingdom? And then refuse of living a life of regret. And Pastor Ken can, can testify to this more than I can, but I... I can say that I've, I've been around, unfortunately, several people in, at their moments of death. And I've been around people who at their moment of death was regretting everything they didn't do. I've been around people who were thrashing in their beds because they were fearful to go into eternity. And they were regretting not following Jesus. They were regretting not living a life for Jesus. And then I've been on the other side where they were saying, just in a couple of weeks, according to the doctors, I'm going to be face to face with my Savior. One particular person that stands out to me, he told me one day I was sitting at his house. And he was dying with cancer, and he only had a couple of months to live. And this was probably about six weeks into those, those two months. And I looked at him, and he looked at me, and he said, he said, Matthew, he said, I can honestly tell you that I can leave this world without one regret. I just looked at him, I said, man, that's the way I want to leave out of here. I want to leave out of here going, God, I have lived my life. Jim Elliott says, live your life to the hilt, and when it comes die to die, all you have to do is die. What if we truly centered our lives around His will, and that we lived our lives in such a way that when it comes time to go, we don't live in any regret? We can. All across this room, we can. Why? Because he's worthy of it. And I say this in closing. What can one person do? One person dedicated to God can change a nation. 
One person dedicated to God can change a community. One person dedicated to God can change a church. One person dedicated to God can change a family. One person who is dedicated to God can do so many things. I would encourage you today, if you want your life set on blaze for God, go get the little small book called Shanghai Revival. I mean, Shantung Revival. Where one little lady got on her knees and began to pray for the missionaries who were in her country who were fighting against one another. She began to pray for them individually. Then she brought all of them together. And this little bitty lady called them to repentance. They prayed, and one of the greatest revivals that has ever been recorded in China broke out because of one little lady. We can do it. But are we willing to risk? Are we willing to be different? One person can do the work of God by the power of God to accomplish the plan of God to see people come to God to spend eternity with God. One person. And here's the thing. We want to help you. Here at Warren, we have this whole class system that now is 201, used to be 301, 201. And it talks about your personality. It talks about your shape. It talks about your giftedness. It talks about your passion. And you go through and you, you go through the class and you do all these different things. You fill things out. And, and for me, it just confirmed in my heart who God has made me to be and the way He made me. And that I don't have to try to be like anybody else. I just, I'm just who God made Matthew. And I try to be the best Matthew that God made. And sometimes it's really bad, but I try. But I know where my passions are. And can I tell you, sitting in this room today, when I was in seminary, let me tell you the two things I ran from. I ran from missions, and I ran from pastoring. Those are the two things that absolutely repelled me. Every time there was a missions conference, I would leave. Every time a, a professor or somebody would come up and go, Man, Matthew, have you, have you really prayed and considered pastoring? I'm like, nope, don't want any part of it. The last thing I want to do is pastor. I'll preach, but I don't want to pastor. And missions. The idea just 12 or 13 years ago, for me to get in an airplane and go overseas, or to me to get in my car and go down the road, I believed in missions, but I wasn't going to be a part of it. Just being honest with you. And it was amazing whenever I began to say, God, I want my life to really count for you. How God began to stir in me the two things that I didn't want to do. And now the two most passionate things in my life, outside of my family, but just in my ministry, is pastoring and missions. Every day, that's what I want to talk about. Everything, every decision I make, I try to base it around those two things. And so when I took this 201, it just confirmed to me that I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. Sometimes it just needs a little confirmation. Just sometimes we just need God just to speak gently to our heart. Or sometimes we just don't have a clue. And we just need some help. We're here to help you. We want everybody in this church 
to never live in regret and live your life to the fullest potential that God has given to you. And in closing, I want to say this right here. It's another John Piper quote. Whatever you do, whatever that is, find a God-centered, Christ-exalting, Bible-saturated passion of your life and find your way to say it and live for it and die for it and you will make a difference that lasts. You will not waste your life. Whatever you do, whatever that is, and only you know the talents and the abilities that God has given you, Center them around the, the, the Bible. Center, center them around eternity. Center them around exalting Christ. And you won't waste your life. You may be in here today and you may be a construction worker. Man, you know what? Be the best one Fayette County's ever had for the name of Jesus. You may be in here today and you may be a student. Be the best student Fayette County's ever had for the name of Jesus. You may be in here today and you may be a business owner. You'd be the best business owner Fayette County has ever seen for Jesus. You may be here today and you may be a stay-at-home mom. You'd be the best stay-at-home mom Fayette County has ever seen for the name of Jesus. And this list could go on and on and on, but whatever you do, don't waste your life. Do everything for the glory and the renown and exaltation of God. And I guarantee you, when He's lifted up in your life, people will be drawn to Him. So don't waste your life. God's given us everything we need to be successful in the kingdom of God. Man may call you a failure, but if you're living for Jesus, God's going <laughs> to say, come on in. I would rather be a failure in man's eyes and faithful in God's eyes any day. So don't waste your life. What will you do with what God has given to you? For we are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works that He has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Last question we're praying. Are you walking in the life that God has created you to live in? Father, we come to you this morning. God, we love you. We praise you that, that you are high and lifted up. God, we thank you that, Lord, you have taken the time, Lord, to reach in, to form us. God, to make us who exactly who you want us to be. God, let us live in those in, in, in what you've done in our life. God, help Born Community Church. Lord, to never waste a moment that we have to lift your name up and to share the gospel with the people around us. God, we praise you because you are the only one worthy of our praise. And Father, we thank you God, that you rescued us and brought us from death into life. God, not for the comfort of our lives, but God, so that our lives could count for your name. And God, help us to walk in them. God, we love you today. 
And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Sunday Sermons. If you want to learn more about us, visit warrencommunitychurch.org.